Good morning. We're in John chapter 11. Uh, we, we split uh, the, the death and the resurrection of Lazarus into, into two passages. So if you'll turn to John chapter 11, and while you're turning there, a couple things I want to um, explain, I guess. Uh, so I hope every time you come to God's Word that you are looking to make application, that we don't just read this book and then walk away from it. Uh, I hope that, that when you hear uh, a pastor preach or go to a Bible study that, that you're, you're asking God, okay, so Lord, what, how, how do you want me to change? How do you want me to grow? What, is there something to do here? So often in, in our sermons here, we'll, we'll give you specific application. Uh, but sometimes, like today, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to ask questions that I hope lead you to application. Uh, and the reason for that is I want you to wrestle with this passage. I want you to seek the Holy Spirit. You know, I want you to pray the prayer, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, so I'll ask some questions that I hope get you there, but I, I want you, I want you to think through this passage. I want you to think through what Christ is revealing about himself today. So that, that's the first thing. And then last week I gave us three keys to this passage that I want to remind you of or in case you weren't here with us last week. So this, this passage... It's about love, glory, and belief, okay? Jesus, he, he comes two days after hearing that Lazarus is sick, and it says he did that because he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He, he loved them. He wanted to display his glory, which we talked about in John. Glory means that, that Jesus is, is showing who he is. He's revealing himself. He's the very self-disclosure of God. So he's glorifying himself. He shows himself. And why does he do that? So, so that we would believe in him. So that Mary and Martha would believe. The onlookers would believe. Lazarus, as he's raised, he would believe. So that's, that's what's going on here in this passage. Just read together. John 11, starting in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rose quickly and go out, or rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. 
And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. In this passage, God's glory is seen through Christ. Christ is revealing who he really is. He reveals himself to Mary, to Martha, to the onlookers, and even to us today so that we can know, so that we can recognize who Jesus is. And, and this, is, this is a major way that Jesus loves us. And I ripped this off from, from John Piper, that, that God demonstrates his love so often by, by glorifying himself, by showing himself to us so that we can know him, so that we can see him, so that we can know who he is, so we can believe in him. As we've said so often through this series, Jesus is the very self-disclosure of God. We see and know God by seeing Jesus and knowing Jesus. Jesus loves us by showing us who he is so that we can, we can know him. And this, this never ends I don't care if you've been following Jesus for decades. You have not arrived in knowing Jesus yet. We will spend this whole life, Christ followers, getting to know Jesus more and more, more and more intimately. And think about eternity. We will have all of eternity to grow closer and closer to God. God is infinite. We will never cease in getting to know him better. My biggest problem when I go fishing, besides getting skunked, which does happen often, um, is that every time I, I go around one river bend and fish that, I look and there's another river bend. There's another place where I think fish are. They are. I just can't catch them. But, but I, I keep going, and I swear, if I wasn't married, didn't have kids, I'd probably never leave. Because I just, there's always another river bend to explore. We will never, we will never cease growing in knowing who God is. For those of you that believe in Jesus, there will always be another bend to explore. Jesus, he, he reveals himself to us, and this is, this is his love language to us, right? Re revealing himself, showing us who he is. So if you don't know him yet, I've been praying that God would reveal himself to you, that he would do that. If you do know him, I've been praying that he would continue to reveal himself. I mentioned that, that Jesus did this out of love, so I want to read back in verses 5 and 6. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in that place where he was. So Jesus flips what we think of love on its head. We, we, we want our circumstances fixed. We want things to, to be good. We want comfort, wealth, whatever it is that we want. And Jesus says, no, well, I'm going to give you what you need. That's, that's what love is. I'm going to give you what you need. You need to know me. You need to see me. You need to know who I am. 
Your, your faith needs to grow. Your trust needs to deepen. That's what you need. That's how I'm going to love you. Verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. And the passage mentions this multiple times. This was not a resuscitation. This was a miracle. His body was decomposing in the tomb. Verse 18, Bethlehem was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And, and remember, right, the people there want to kill him. Right? Jesus is within close proximity of people that just they, they picked up stones because they want him dead. Verse 19, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So, so there's a, there are people all over Mary and Martha's house. And there's certainly religious duty involved here in consoling those who had lost someone, but there's also just social responsibility. It says there, there are a lot of people here. We, we get a sense from what we know in the different Gospels about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that this is a prominent family, and there are a lot of people there to console them. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been there, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. How do we take these words? I don't think that she's rebuking him. Is there possibly a hint of her questioning Jesus here? Like, even though she doesn't ask a question, is there, is there a little question of, man, if you just would have been here, like, I thought you loved us. Some commentators think that's happening. I don't know. I do think that's happening with Mary. I'm not sure if that's what's happening with Martha. What I am confident of is that her words are words of grief and words of faith. She, she's really confident that, that if Jesus had been there, her brother would be alive. There's no doubt in her mind. And even after the death of Lazarus, she doesn't seem to waver in her belief in God's power. She knows that, that Jesus has this completely unique intimacy with the Father, and whatever he asks, the Father will grant. But again, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think there's a veiled, do you love me here? I think she knows that. I could be wrong, but I think she knows that. She, she isn't suddenly asking Jesus to see if the Father will raise her brother from the dead. He's dead, and in, in her mind, it's, it's done. And I think that's affirmed by verse 39 when, when she says, hey, don't open the tomb. The, the body's been in there four days. It's going to stink. Like resurrection in, in this moment is not, it's not on her radar. But again, God shows us love by revealing himself to us. Jesus will demonstrate his love in this passage, by glorifying the Father, by glorifying himself. He, he's going to self-disclose. They're going to see who he is. Their faith is going to grow. He does, that, uh, he does that with Mary, with Martha, with the onlookers, and certainly with Lazarus. With Martha, he uses words in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And, and the words could be taken in, in more than one way. Um, they, they can certainly be taken as, as comforting words, which I, I believe they are, but I think they could be misconstrued as uh, almost like people today could comfort someone at a funeral. And whether they believe in Jesus or not, someone might say they're in a better place. Right? And, and they're just they're trying to comfort their... Um, obviously, Jesus wasn't just saying he's in a better place. Um, but I, I do think that Martha took it as, as comforting words that he will rise again. She says this in verse 24. Martha said to him, 
I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she does believe in the resurrection on the last day, that the Messiah would come and raise all God's people, gathering, gathering his children to himself in their new resurrected bodies. She had faith that God would fulfill that promise to his people and that her brother would be included in that. There's certainly comfort. There's certainly hope there. But we know that Jesus has so much more in mind that he's speaking of, that Jesus was going to give life, not just in the distant future, but, but immediately he would give life. Martha believed that, that someday God would do that, but had no awareness that God was going to give her brother life in just a little bit. No idea that in moments her faith was going to grow exponentially. What a surprise he had in store for her. Resurrection was not a possibility in Martha's mind, and his words would only be understood after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Our truth statement for the day is uh, those who believe in Jesus as the resurrection and the life will see God's glory. For those who believe, God will reveal himself. He will show who he is. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Please don't read that or hear that like it's not a big deal. That statement, if you've been in church, if you read John 11, we've, we've heard this a bunch. And, and, and this could sound like, uh, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. No, this, this is a, a big statement. He, he didn't just say, I'm going to raise people in the last day. Right? He didn't say that. He, he didn't just say, I'm the resurrection and the life. He keeps going. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then he, he doesn't stop there. And he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? If, if you were sitting in a coffee shop and you struck up a conversation with someone and you said, tell me about yourself. And they said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they go on. All of us would want to get out of that conversation quickly, right? Like you would, you, for your own safety, you'd want to get out of that conversation. You might even contact the authorities because if those words aren't true, those are crazy words, right? There, there's serious instability there. However, those words are true. There's no one greater than Jesus. There's no one like him. He is absolutely worthy of everything that we can give him. He's worthy of our worship, worthy of your life, worthy of all your waking moments. He's worthy of giving up whatever you were passionate about before meeting him. John Stott, he writes that, that Jesus is diverting her, her focus in this abstract belief of, of what God will do in the future and he takes it and makes it personal to belief in him who is the resurrection and the life. Martha, she's thinking about, yeah, God's going to do that someday, someday in history when the Messiah comes. But Jesus is helping her see that he is that hope right in front of her. It isn't just a future hope. It's present. It is him. He not only, not only does he raise the dead on the last day, but he is the resurrection. He is the life. Apart from him, there's no resurrection. There's no life. Without Jesus, there's no hope after this physical life. Without Jesus, there's no hope in this physical life. So what does he mean by resurrection and the life? When he says, I am the resurrection, he, he certainly, he's referring to what will happen. 
all believers on that last day, they will be raised by the power of Christ. And I think verse 25 helps explain that. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. So even though believers in Christ will die a physical death, they will live again because Jesus will raise them from the dead. And this certainly speaks to Lazarus' situation. Though he die, yet he will live. Jesus promises that those who believe, even though they die, they will be raised to life. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And those, those appear to contradict, but 26 is explaining when, he, when Jesus says, I am the life. The life of the believer isn't only a future life when God raises us from our physical death. It's a life that starts when you trust in him as Lord. Right? This is eternal life. This is kingdom life. In John 10, we heard about abundant life. Obviously, physical death will still happen, but there's no end to our eternal life. Not even a split second of us being separated from God. Jesus has talked about this over and over again in John. John 8, 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. John 3, 15 and 16, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What Jesus gives is totally unique. Eternal life happens within us. Remember when Jesus talked about, about the well, or the, the spring welling up in us, e eternal life. God brings this life to us now when you believe in him. And, and it cannot be taken. God, God resurrects us spiritually. We're dead in sin. Jesus reveals himself, calls to us, resurrects us. In John 17, 3, Jesus says that this is eternal life, right? This is, this is what Jesus says eternal life is in John 17, 3, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus sent by the Father so that you can be in this intimate, personal relationship with Christ. So to those who know Jesus, they're, they're, this will always be increasing we will know Jesus more and more. So do you live like you have life now in Jesus? If I have eternal life, there, there should be a difference in me and in someone who does not have eternal life. In, in how I approach life, in how I look at life, in how I look at the lives of others, how I view problems, how I prioritize my life. I'm sure all of us uh, know someone, or maybe this has even happened to yourself, there's a medical scare, maybe it's, maybe it's a heart attack, maybe it's cancer, something serious that, that could end your life, and you make it through it, and it, it, it kind of wakes you up, right? It, it prioritizes life in, in a new way. It gives you a, a new focus. I know, I think God does that in people. I also think as believers, we shouldn't need God to do that because we know what it is to be dead, we know what it is to be dead in sin and, and then to have life. So, so do you live like you have life because of Christ? How does eternal life in Jesus impact your day-to-day -day operation? Because it should. I'm not telling you how. I want you to think through that. I want you to wrestle through that with God. If you have life, 
how, how, what should it look like? How should it be different? Jesus, he asks her, do you believe, right? And he's taken her from that abstract to the personal in him. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection, the, the future hope? Do you believe that he's the life, the present hope here now? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who is coming into the world. And her statement is shocking. It's confident. It's personal. Clearly, Jesus has revealed this to her. She sees and trusts who Jesus says he is. He's the Savior coming to the world. He's one with the Father, the very Son of God. He alone is the resurrection and the life. Verse 28, When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met them. So Jesus wants to see Mary. She's hurting, and he, he loves her. But he wasn't just going to swoop in and take care of business. He, he could have done that. He could have just shown up, glorified the Father, glorified himself. Uh, I'm quite confident that the sisters would have loved that. Wouldn't mind skipping a conversation to bring their brother back. But instead, Jesus meets them in that pain and that misery and points them to true hope. And his timing is absolutely perfect. We can trust that. His timing's perfect. His provision is abundant. Martha made an effort to give her sister a private conversation with Jesus, but there's no way that was going to happen. Verse 31. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. Mary's, Mary's the feeler, right? Martha's the doer. Like if I'm guessing birth order, Martha's firstborn. Mary, middle child, I'm guessing Lazarus is the baby. I don't really know that though. But, but Mary... Mary holds nothing back, right? She's, she's weeping as she says this. She doesn't hold back what she feels. And I do wonder with her, and I don't know for sure, but I wonder if there really is that question there. I thought you loved us. If you loved us, why'd you let us go through this? Why did you let my brother die? I don't know if that's there, but I wonder if it is. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And we see the words that, that Mary says are the exact same words as what Martha says. And yet there's, there's different responses here. Getting to the same place for sure, same goal that, that, they would, that they would believe, that they would grow in their faith and their trust. But Jesus... With Martha, he uses words. Right? He speaks deep theology to her, true words revealing who he is and, and her belief already, even before, before he raises Lazarus. Her belief is, is deep in. With Mary, he, he reflects emotion. Right? She feels deeply, and he feels deeply. I, I'm, I'm not saying they're the same emotions exactly, but and, well, I'm also not saying that he didn't feel what Martha felt either, but, but he responds to the emotions of Mary. He, he wants her to grow in her belief too, but my assumption is she needed something a little different 
than, than Martha needed in that exact moment. How often do we see that God knows exactly what we need? When it says that Jesus was deeply moved, that word actually means that he was indignant, that he was angry, that there was maybe even outrage was here. So what was he angry about? And commentators are really all over the place with this, so I'll give you a few options. Uh, one is that he's angry uh, with sin, with illness, with death. Um, another is, is some people think maybe he's angry at, at, at these mourners who, these are, these are Jews, at least most of them are Jews, and, and they're mourning as if there's no hope, as if, as if they're pagans that... that that have no hope in God at all. So that's another option. The third is if Mary is questioning Jesus, that he's upset with her unbelief there. Emotions are complicated, right? You don't need a teenager. <laughs> no offense, teenagers. You're going through a lot. Um, you don't need a teenager to know emotions are complicated. You guys know I cry all the time. Sometimes I don't even know why I'm crying. Like we, emotions, it's rarely just one thing. It's, it's so complicated. And so in Jesus, we see anger, and I think there's multiple factors probably at play there. And now in verse 34, we see grief too. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. So, so we see outrage, anger, possibly at death possibly at unbelief, whether it's from the onlookers or Mary, I'm not exactly sure. But he has grief, too, in that. Right? Not, not just, he doesn't just feel indignant. He, he doesn't cry. I don't think he cries for the same reasons that they do. He knows what's about to happen in Lazarus. Right? He, he knows what he's about to do, but he feels for these people. So whatever his complex mix of emotions were exactly in that moment, we know that he was, he was totally righteous in what he felt. Whether he's mad at sin, death, unbelief, he's righteous in what he felt. He, he's grieving for these people as well. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. And whoever said that, they're right. He loved him. These next people goof it up a bit. Verse 37, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And they're not, they're not far off, right? They, there's some legitimacy to this question. They saw Jesus give this, the blind man sight. So couldn't he, he have prevented the death then of this person that he loved so much? But their problem is their belief is not as much in Jesus as much as it is in the displays of his power. They saw Jesus do something awesome. They didn't realize that, that Jesus was awesome. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved. Again, that same word here. So he's, he's angry, and I think he is angry at what they just said. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Again, Martha, I think she's firstborn, right? She butts in here as if Jesus didn't know what he was doing. She clearly didn't recognize what he was saying earlier, that, that Lazarus wouldn't just be raised on the last day, but that Jesus was about to raise Lazarus right now. 
bringing glory to himself, bringing glory to the Father. He'd been dead four days. No question that this is a miracle. No, no way this is possibly a, a resuscitation. And this man was dead. He's decomposing. And it, it is incredible that, that Jesus raises him to life. For some reason, I hadn't really thought about his body decomposing. I don't want to gross you out. Um, but his body decomposing, and then Jesus is about to call him out. And then I guess, I mean, his skin and whatever was decomposing, whoop, like instantly. Didn't make that sound. I guarantee that. <laughs> Didn't mean for that to come out. Um, but instantly, he, he brings life. To, to Lazarus. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of Christ? If you believed, you'd see who I am. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus already had his answer about raising Lazarus. He, he's not petitioning God here to raise Lazarus. They've already had that discussion. He, he's thanking God for answering, but he's not making a request. And there are people that are listening on this prayer, and it gives, a, it gives them a glimpse into the intimacy between Jesus and the Father. It, it's clear, as Jesus has made it clear many, many times, that he does nothing apart from the Father. They plan this together for the Father's glory, for Jesus' glory. So Jesus has asked already, and, and, and God has granted this request. Jesus wants those who are listening. He wants them to believe. He wants them to believe. After he reveals through this resurrection, he wants them to believe in him. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And there are some commentators, actually a lot of commentators, that, that wonder if it was necessary for him to specify Lazarus, that if he didn't, because of the authority and power of Jesus, if he just said, come out, that the graves would have just emptied all over the place. And, and, and when I first heard that, I made, it made me laugh. But then I thought, no, <laughs> that is probably what would happen. That is the power of, of Jesus that we're, we're talking about here. So he says, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, the man who died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him, let him go. Jesus did just what he said he was going to do. They didn't understand that he was going to do it. But Jesus rose him from the dead. Like Lazarus, we're, we're dead in sin without Jesus. We are without hope. Jesus is the only one who can give us life. Life in the future, but also life right now, eternal life in him. Jesus' call is personal. He knows you. Lazarus heard the, the word of God. God, God. God brings life into Lazarus, and he responds in obedience. He, he hears Jesus, he believes, and he obeys. And all of this was done out of love, intended for the Father and Son to be glorified, so that people could believe. People that were there that day, and even us, as we hear John's gospel today. If you've already believed Jesus, the word, the resurrection of Lazarus helps us look forward to that day when Jesus will gather his people. And I hope, I hope you think about that. 
the, the, the future hope that we have, because it should change our daily lives. It, it should change our motivation and our heart for people who don't yet know Jesus, because someday he will raise everyone who's placed their faith in him. Lazarus' resurrection is, is like a trailer for what Jesus will do for his people. I want to go back to verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 2,000 years ago, Jesus asked that question to Martha, and it's just as applicable today. Do you believe this? Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, in a moment, our prayer team is going to be in the back. And, and you can go back uh, to receive prayer for anything, anything that's going on in life. And you, you can tell them the story if you want, but if you don't want to get into it, that's fine. You can just ask them to pray. I, I have a few, um, a few possibilities of, of why you might go back there. Um, if you wonder if Jesus really loves you, maybe you've been through some really, really hard things, and, 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 and you read verses 5 and 6 and G see that Jesus loved them so he stayed longer, maybe that ticks you off. Right? Maybe there's some anger that you have with God. I'd encourage you, go back and, and get prayer for that. If you have someone that you desperately want to know and trust Jesus, and, and you recognize that's only by the work of the Holy Spirit in that person, go, go pray um, go pray for them. Or if you live a, if you live a life that, that, realizes, or that you realize the life you live does not reflect the life of someone who knows Jesus, the life of someone who has eternal life, go receive prayer. And lastly, if you want to believe in Jesus, but something's holding you back, go. Go with our prayer team and, and receive prayer for that. I'm going to pray now. Jesus, you, you are the resurrection and the life. And though we, we will die physical death, we know, Lord, you, you will raise us again. We know also that you give us life now, and that life will never end. Jesus, would we long to know you? God, I thank you that we will have all of eternity to know you more and more and more. But Jesus, I also thank you that we have this life right now to know you more and more. And Father, I, I pray that you would continue to glorify yourself, that you continue to reveal yourself to those who believe and to those who don't believe yet. Lord, would you save many, many people. God, would we be a part of people coming to believe in you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray.